All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the year that was dot dot dot. I am your host, Aaron. And we are discussing the calendar year of 1997, chronologically going through the uh, WCW and WWF major events and television shows. Um, not all the television shows, just the Raw, some Nitros, pay-per-views, Clash of the Champions, all that good jazz. Um, we're in the middle of 97 now. We're in July, we're in July and it's it's pretty exciting. So it's both companies are both companies are hitting on cylinders right now on other cylinders in my opinion would you agree i would agree with that there yeah i mean you're you're uh, audio w- yeah. <laughs> wcw um WWF to me more than WCW, but that's just me. I'm, I'm partial to the WWF product. I oh, guess. Yeah, I am too. Don't get me wrong. WWF, they're driving a they're driving a much better car, but WCW's car is still functioning. Mm-hmm. It's still working. It doesn't go off the rails um, for another. It doesn't go off the rails for another. What five six months? Yeah. Um, and we'll get there. Um, but we were discussing the Monday night. Raw and Nitro from January 28th, 1997. Um, and we're going to start with Nitro. Carlson, West Virginia. West Virginia. Um, the show opens with um, the Nitro Girls, which, for what it was, was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, we don't, we're not going to have a lot of a lot of goings on, so when we don't have something, let's just have hot chicks go out and dance. Right. <laughs> the crowd's not going to get bored with that. They're not going to boo it. Um, it's the, like I've said before, it's the same principle as Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, you know? Yep. When nothing's going on, the chicks. And that's what they do. Um, and that's why, the night as the Nitro Girls dance, I uh, Obviously, uh, Tony, Mike, and Larry go over what's going to happen tonight. Um, and the opening contest is Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton, um, along with Vince, obviously. They're always together. And um, they are facing the tag team of Ric Flair and Kurt Hennig. Um, during the match, they mentioned that Kurt Hennig has still not technically announced that he's a horseman. Um, Scott Hart. Scott, Nor- Scott Norton and Kurt Hennig um, start the match um, with Norton getting the upper hand. Um, it breaks down heels, cutting off um, the ring on Flair. Um, Flair finally tags in and fi- when he's fired up. He has a fiery um, entrance into the match. And then um, um Flair cut. Uh, sorry, uh, six cut. Flair winds up on the top ropes. Uh, six tries to, and it doesn't work. Um, he like kicks uh, um, six away at that point, and then later on in the match, um, Kurt Hennig gets the Hennig Hennigplex on Buff and Flair and Hennig are your winners. Um, it was telling the story of is is Hennig going to join the Horsemen? And keeping along the uh, six Ric Flair little mini storyline they have going on, um, which never really gets paid off. Paid off, but anyway, 
Hennig and uh, Flair win. Just kind of a basic tag team match to open up the show. Um, then Mean Gene brings out Lex Luger um, for a mid-ring interview. Um, this is part of WCW where they where they where they fail a lot because what's happening here? Luger is going to be going into Road Wild to face Hulk Hogan for the WCW NWO Championship. Um, and he says, um, basically, um, he's found out that Hogan um, has not defended his title um, within the 30-day defense clause that the champion supposedly has and says, due to this, um, he wants his match next week. Instead of Road Wild. He wants it next week. So they're going to have um, this match that everybody was looking forward to. Honestly, Luger's not my favorite, but he was over like Rover at this point. Mm-hmm. And people wanted to see this. So they were probably going to pay-per-view to see it, but nope. We're going to go ahead and have it on free TV in Chicago next week. And I will talk about it next week. But that's yes, this we next week. Next week, that's one of it's one of my least favorite things in the history of that company. But I'll go into all of that <laughs> next week. Yes. Um, the next match is Prince Iakea versus Ultimo Dragon for the WCW Television Championship. Um, they do a lot of chain wrestling. There's some impactful kicks and strikes from. Uh, Ultimo, uh, Ultimo ends up getting the Dragon Sleeper to end it. So your winner, Ultimo Dragon via submission. Not a whole lot to talk about there. Just just a match. Um, mean Gene then uh, interviews Ric Flair about um, um, Henry joining the Four Horsemen. Flair's talking about how it's a done deal. Um, and then Hennig says, hey, now, I never said I joined, you know. Never said it. So still playing the free agent role. Um, so that's still going on. This um, thing, that, that thing, that thing's like the, the Luger sting thing. It just drags on and on and on. Yeah. Like you have a good story for a month or two, but when you fucking drag the shit out for six, seven months before you even pay it off, it's just, I don't know. It, I, I understand the, the term long-term storytelling, but there's also too long-term storytelling. Yes. Like, especially in the era of non-squash matches, you know what I mean? In this era, this type of yeah. storytelling, you can't drag a story out as long as you could in like 86. Yeah, and... If I'm if if I'm the Riffer character, I'd eventually be like, you know what? Fine, fuck you. Fuck it. Yeah, I'm done. I'll just beat him up. I, I, I guess with the old working. I failed. I filed your application under G. Fuck it. Yeah. yeah. If uh, if this was the old horseman, they would have kicked the shit out of him by now. <laughs> he slammed a car door in his hand. Yeah, only only would have been like, fuck this guy. But uh, and your dad sucked too. Yeah, your dad sucked. I beat him. Um, and then Chris Benoit and Steve McMichael uh, take on the Texas Hangman, um, who I believe were uh, uh, 
I can't even remember who they were. Now it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter. I know, I know, for, I know for sure that they were. Um, those two guys played that role in the AWA. I know that, but I don't. I can't remember anything else about like what their real names are or what their fucking story they, was. I don't know. They sucked, and their outfits look cheap. Um, and during this match, um, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash call into the show via, via the phone, and the Bash the Steiner brothers and Hall and Hall talks uh, <clears throat> smack to Larry Zabisco over the phone, and then. Um, then Mongo ends up messing up a tombstone and gets everybody's timing off. Um, so the match just falls apart. And then Benoit ends up trapping the crossface on one of the hangmen. And uh, Benoit and McMichael are your winners. So that's how that happened. It's a really bad match. Chris Benoit was probably pissed by the time he got to the back. Um then Alex Wright and Chris Jarrett are up next for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Um, Alex Wright's doing a lot of stalling and doing his little dances and all that stuff. Um, and as the match is going on, it's it's a decent match. There's not a lot to write about it. But, um, Alex Wright ends up getting um, out of nowhere, ends up getting a jersey suplex on cruiserweight champion Chris Jericho and gets the one, two, three and Alex Wright is your new cruiserweight champion. And it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, mean, I like, I like Alex Wright, but to have him win the title here to me, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It was kind of lame. Um, to me, he wasn't a belt guy. Well, not just that, just like, it seems like, um, Jericho's had other things going on. Like he hasn't even been feuding with Alex Wright, you know, and it's just like out of nowhere yeah. they give Alex Wright the belt. I don't know. And, and I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's a bad thing to have a title change now and then come out of nowhere, but at this point, to me, Jericho has so much more steam than Alex Wright. And again, I'm not shitting on Wright. I like him, but it just doesn't make any sense. I like him too. Yeah, it just seemed out of place. Um Next up, we get Mean Gene Oakland interviewing Dean Malenko about whether he's hooking up with Jeff Jarrett and Deborah as a team or not. Um, and as um, he's being interviewed, um, Jarrett and well, sorry, um, as he's being interviewed, Deborah's out there because she's listening to what Malenko has to say. And as, as, as he's being interviewed, Alex Wright's walking out and Ebra like speaks off camera to him real quick, nonchalant about something. They don't know what it is. They don't even really mention it. Um, but obviously she's interested in Alex Wright because he's a champion now. Um, so Malenko basically gives a non-answer about whether or not he's going to team with and form a group with uh, D Malenko or not. So, or with Jeff Jarrett. So it's kind of like, let's just do the Kurt Hennig. Is he or isn't he with Dean too? It's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, the next thing we get is, uh, see this nitro has really nothing going on on it. So, so um, <laughs> the show probably won't be. That um, six pack ends up fighting uh, DDP next. Uh, Vince gets involved and it doesn't work. It never works when he gets involved. Um, 
and Paige gets the uh, um, um, diamond cutter, but um, uh, Kurt Hennig ends up hitting DDP from behind, and the referee doesn't see it, and Six ends up getting the pinfall. So Six is defeated DP due to uh, Kurt Hennig's interference. So we're still going with the DDP-Kurt Hennig feud. Um, anything on that? It's uh, it's also like convoluted. I don't know. There's just there's there's um there's there's too much going on and no resolutions to anything. Yeah, I'm 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 finding that as you're describing this nitro, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> um, up next we get Hector Guerrero versus Dean Malenko. Um. Uh, Jarrett and Deborah end up coming out, which distracts um, Eddie, or which um, distracts Hector Guerrero. Uh, Malenko ends up trapping the clover leaf, and the winner is uh, D. Malenko via submission. And then um, after the match, Chavo comes out to check on his uncle Hector, and Malenko and Jarrett end beating up the Guerreros. And they mention that obviously Eddie doesn't come out to help his family, He's, right? in the back letting them get beat up because he's Eddie <laughs> yes and he's shifty <laughs> it's great um and then mean Gene Oakland ends up getting drug out to the ring by Conan and mean Gene's obviously doing his get your hands off me I'll contact my attorneys all that type of stuff as is happening and um he ends up calling Ray Mysterio a little puppet and says that he's going to, um, he's the guy that brought the luchadors all to WCW, and he's going to be the guy that's going to take out all the luchadors. So he's turned his back on his on his Raza or whatever. Um, so that's the storyline of that of that. Um, uh, so that happened. Um, the next thing we get is um, the macho man coming out and in, out into the crowd. He's out in the stands. Um, and he says that he's going to take out the giant at, um, road wild. And also he's going to, uh, put down Scott Steiner tonight. So we felt macho man versus the giant at road wild macho man and Scott Steiner tonight, one-on-one, which isn't something that happened very much that I know of. Mm -mm. Um, there's not a lot of Scott Steiner macho man stuff out there. Um, I always, I was always a big fan, and only for him. I don't know why. With everybody else, I didn't like it, but I was always a fan of Savage cutting his promos from the audience, like because you can just picture Randy Savage like crazy walking through the halls and just like what, grabbing a microphone and walking out into the crowd because he's like, yeah. I want to say something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and he's crazy enough to believe that he wouldn't be worried about going out in front of like in the middle of all those people and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it worked. And so yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Savage. Um, the next thing we get is the giant. He's going to be going one on one with the great Muda. Um, Eric Bischoff comes out during the match and kicks Tanay and uh Heenan out of the booth. Um, um Giant goes to uh, um, 
choke slam Muda, and Muda tries to do the mist, but Giant gets his hand up, and his hand's big enough, you know, that the story is that he got to block the mist and ends up getting the choke slam anyway. And then um, um, sorry, giant block the mist, hits the choke slam, wins. Yeah, okay. Then, um, as Giant's celebrating his victory, um, Larry Zabisco ends up coming out and getting his hands on Eric Bischoff, and he drags Eric Bischoff to the ring, throws Eric Bischoff in the ring, um, allowing the Giant to get um, a choke slam on Eric Bischoff, and all the commentators and everybody are laughing and happy, and the crowd goes nuts because Giant Cho- Bischoff finally got finally got a little bit of a little bit of an ass kick in there, so. People are happy about that. And um, as a side note, and I think I've said it before in another show, my personal opinion, and I know it's it's money. You make you make money, that's fine. I don't think after after he went back to Japan in 1990, Muda ever should have come back to the states because they never used him right over here again. Yeah, they <laughs> he never should have. He never should have come back. He should have just went to Japan and stayed there. Yeah, um, Bischoff at least respected him. You know what I mean? Like he was, he was just—he was just never treated like a. Big he was never treated. Him. He was never treated special again. I guess. Yeah, he wasn't, and um, well, he—I'll I'll take that back. He did have a little bit of a good run <clears throat> in '94 when he came back and he had a little deal with Steve with Steve Austin. Like him and Austin had a had a good little they had a good match and it wasn't bad, but that was Flair was booking so obviously Flair respected him or whatever. But yeah, um, Bischoff just kind of used him to get other guys over in WCW and mm-hmm. obviously Russo was had no idea what he was who Moody even was probably. So I agree. Um. The next match is playing on the Conan, trying to take out the Luchadors thing, because um, he's facing uh, La Parca, who's with Sonino. Um La Parca tried to use the chair, but it backfired, and K-Dog ends up from the Tequila Sunrise on La Parca, and K-Dog is your winner. So, that happened. Um, then J.J. Dillon, he does a phone interview and is on the phone talking about Sting. He says that they are going to, um, they're going to be putting together a um, contract to get Sting back in the ring by September. He figured it out. He's like, I got, I got the plan. I just got to iron out the details. It's going to happen. We're going to get the Stinger back in the ring by September. So that's his, that's his, that's his mission statement find out if that'll happen or not. Um, and then we roll into our main event, which is uh, um, Randy Macho Man Savage with Liz against Scott Steiner. The story of the match is that Randy Savage is crazy and Steiner's um, 
super strong. So um, how's that going to play out? What's going to help? What's going to benefit? Whatever. Um, I think I'm racking my brain. I'm pretty sure this is the only time they ever had a one-on-one match against each other. That's what I'm saying. As far as I know. I know they I'm were. In, I know. I know they were involved in like some some sick ma- six mans and stuff. It, you know, like when the NWO would just team up against the NWO against the Steiners and somebody else or whatever. But I'm pretty sure this is the only time they ever had a one on one match. As far as I know, it is because I'm literally through. Like I've obviously watched Ed and done my research going forward. I don't just watch the week and write the week or whatever. But um, um. I'm all the way into November with my notes and they haven't had a one-on-one match that I've written about other than this. So this might be the only time. Um, but they, the match starts out and it's hard hitting as you would expect from both these guys. Um, they brawl out into the crowd. Um, Steiner ends up hitting a super Frankensteiner on Randy Savage and then we find out that the outsiders were lying. They were actually in the building. They weren't on. They, they faked being away from the building and they attack. <clears throat> um, they ended up attacking the Steiners because obviously Rick was at ringside. So Scott Steiner's your winner by disqualification. And then um, post-match, the NWO beat down the Steiners until the giant um, comes out and backs down the NWO. Um, and then ends up calling Nash to come back to the ring and obviously Nash ain't having none of it so he powders out and that's how we go off the air with the Giant helping up the Steiners and the NWO backing down from the Giant so that's that bit of a lackluster show i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's a shitty show i'm sure that that the, you know the rest of the wrestling was fine and everything but it just didn't seem like a whole lot actually happened nope nothing happened um um nothing happened so much that i looked up the top 10 songs so i figured i'd go over those real quick these are the top 10 songs of that week you ready for it sure um number 10 um last Night on earth by you two um number nine i don't know why this was the number nine song in two in 1997 but it was california dreaming by the mamas and the papas <laughs> what <laughs> i don't like i can't i was like was it in a movie you know it's like i couldn't figure out Right. I don't think like Forrest Gump came out in like 94. Yeah. Yeah. And that like at first I thought you were going to say, uh, um, remember how they were bringing out like remixes of Elvis songs and like they would be on the charts. Yeah. Um, I, that's what I was That's what at first I thought you were going to say, like an Elvis song, like one of the remixes, but I have no idea why that would be in the top 10. I don't either. Um, Number eight is a song called Free by some guy named Ultranate. <laughs> that was me. Know. That was me. <laughs> and you were ultra at that point. Um, number seven, See You When You Get There by Coolio. Um, number six, Bitch by Meredith Brooks. Um, um, Do You Know What I Mean by Oasis. Um, 
Freed from Desire by Gala. I don't remember that song. Um, Everybody by the Backstreet Boys. Picture of You by Boyzone. Sounds gross. <laughs> and then I'll be, it's still on there. I'll be missing you by Puff Daddy. Like that song, <laughs> not, it could not be stopped. <laughs> song could not be stopped. I can't remember how it's long like, ago. It's I like, we're coming for you. Shit with it's them. like, they're like, we're coming for you. I will always love you by Whitney Houston. Yeah. It's like, I, I can't remember the last time I did the movie thing, but, or the, music and movie thing but that fucking i'll be missing you man it's a it's been like the top three forever <laughs> he made so much money off of that song um and a lot of the movies were the same movies like air force one men in black con air batman robin liar liar lost world all those are still plugging away but yeah I'll be missing you. He's got like a Goldberg streak going on. <laughs> it just can't be stopped. Um, so the next thing we got if you're ready is yep. WWF Raw is War. Obviously from the same night. Um, July um July 28th, 1997, um, we're in Pittsburgh at this time, and we get more footage of the Hart Foundation being over in Canada, and um, a recap of the flag match from last week, or, and the build to it. Um, um, we also see footage of HBK saying that he's going to be the referee at SummerSlam, and Bret Hart and Vince McMahon getting into their pull Um which was cool. Um, the next thing we see is the Hart Foundation. They come out to the arena. They're being interviewed by Jim Ross mid-ring. Um, Jim Ross discusses Brett, discussed Bret Hart's actions and says that the new commissioner might have something to say about it to them next week. Um, we still don't know who this new commissioner is. Um, Bret Hart says there's no justice in America. And when he said... Um, when he said he wouldn't wrestle in the USA if he um, if he lost, he didn't actually mean it, um, which is a very heel thing to say. Yeah. Um, but WWF officials um, snuck it into his contract. He's like, I didn't mean it, but they just took me at my word <laughs> and put this in the contract. Um, Don't you know I'm a heel? Yeah. Um, and then he says that um, HBK says, or he says HBK needs to apologize and basically take himself out of um, being in the uh, being the referee for the match. And then um, says that uh, if he was going to give America an enema, he would stick it in Pittsburgh. He'd stick the hose in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I like it on wrestling. <laughs> and then he I calls like it on. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I like it on wrestling with shadows where he, there he's in the thing and he's like, you know, I didn't mean that really what I said about Pittsburgh. If I was going to, that wouldn't be where I'd stick the hole. It was probably, you know, maybe like Washington. Yeah, he's like, yeah, they're not really the booty hole of America. <laughs> um, 
And then after he calls um, Pittsburgh a butthole, um, he says that um, he wants to fight Patriot later tonight. So that's his plans. Um, that's funny. Like, if wrestling's real, like that guy got to work, you know? And he's like, here's my plan tonight, guys. I'm going to go out there. Um, I'm going to call Pittsburgh an asshole. And I think I'm going to go ahead and call out the Patriot. They're like, yeah, that's a good idea, boss. <laughs> you know? Then then I'll attack somebody with a chair. Yeah. Yeah. Stick it, stick it to these lousy Americans. Yeah. I just like to think about, like, if you go to work, there's the possibility, like, somebody could smack you in the back of the head with a chair tonight. Just... It's ridiculous. Um, the next, the, the first opening, the first opening match, the opening match of the night is the Legion of Doom versus Los Baliquas. Um, uh, the Baliquas tonight are Miguel and Jesus. And um, I don't have a lot of notes on this match. I only have two notes. Um, one is the other Baliquas end up getting involved in the match, attacking LOD. Um, causing a disqualification and then post match um the godwins end up attacking as well um hawk gets slop dropped and then they actually slop the road warriors um the other note i have is um wrestling miguel perez must have been disgusting <laughs> like it's like wrestling a, a sweaty carpet <laughs> yeah like he's a good wrestler i'm sure he's a nice guy and everything but it's like you're Gross. You're hairier than than George Steele. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Ugh. Like, imagine be like, and then I'm going to get you, I'm gonna get you in a side headlock. Like, no. And, no, you're not. Another, another thing I'll say really quick, and you know it's it was cool for me because of what a mark I am for him. It was cool to see Savio Vega on pay-per-view at Backlash and also the fucking Puerto Ricans gave him fucking a stone cold Steve Austin ovation. It was yeah. great. <laughs> I, I watched um, clips of it. I also watched Chavo. Chavo. I also watched Carlito show. Up. He got yeah. a huge ovation too, and he looked like he looked big. Mm-hmm. Like Lord, like this time that guy. You know what I mean? I mean, well, the funny, maybe. the funny thing, the funny thing about him is it it doesn't really register because. Because he started so young, but he's still like in his early forties, you know. That's like, what I'm saying. Him. Yeah. It's funny because like, I was just watching. It 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 made me laugh or whatever because I was just watching a raw doing notes for a show down the line, and um, Slaughter's going to come out of retirement and get in a match. Which I mean, we're spoiling shit from what thirty years ago. Not that many years ago, right? Yeah, 25 years ago. 25 years ago. Slaughter's getting ready to come out of retirement and fight Hunter. And Cornette's like, um, he's got pride. He's got to come out of retirement. I mean, he's a 47-year-old man. It's like, <laughs> I think AJ's 47. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> That that is funny though. Like, and I've 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 thought about it too. Like, there's guys on the roster now that 
back during the Monday Night Wars, you know, that like Hogan and Savage were that age and Vince was calling them geriatric and they were having matches. They were having the match where they were, had, had like walkers and their dentures were coming out. Yeah, like, like they wouldn't even have been that old because Slaughter started before them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Rude was 40 when he died. Yeah. Kurt was like 42. Yeah, it's like it's insane, but yeah. At 47 years of age, it's right. man coming out of retirement. Right now, as of right now, AJ is 45. And then in let's say 1996, when they were doing the the uh billionaire Ted's wrestling war room. Yeah. Okay, so AJ's 45 right now. And let's see, 1996 minus. When they were doing Billionaire Ted's Wrestling War Room, Hulk Hogan was 43. (laughs) (laughs) Saying he's not old. (laughs) But they also did, like, people aged. I don't know, people aged. Like, Slaughter did. Slaughter looked older than fucking 40s. You know what I mean? Like, they looked looked older. (laughs) Yeah. Or, it's like it's just Vince was fifty-two in nineteen ninety-seven. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like ten years younger than you. It's not that bad, you know. <laughs> but uh, anywho, um, um, Triple H is end up ends up getting interviewed backstage about his upcoming match at SummerSlam with Mankind inside the steel cage. Um, uh. Michael Cole asks him about the cage um, being detrimental because it's going to um, um, possibly um, stop China from being able to get involved. And he says that uh, he doesn't need China, even though it's a nice advantage for him. He doesn't need her and um, ends up telling um, Vader that his, because they're fighting next, that it's not Vader time. It's Jenny Craig time, you fat ass. And then he walks away. Uh, so he implies just, that Vader should on Jenny Craig. Just as one other side note, because we got on the on the on the topic, and I think it's humorous because we're making the point now. <clears throat> At the time of this Monday Night Raw, remember I said Hulk Hogan was forty three, yes, and old. You know, by the WWF, the WWF would tell you he's, you know, age in the cage and he's old. Bret Hart at this time is 41. So I'm just saying. <laughs> like, Bret's only like like three years younger than Hogan. <laughs> yeah. It's, just, it, it's all perception. Anyway, yep. <laughs> I mean, they, they fooled me when I was a young guy watching this. You know, they fooled me that WCW had the old farts. But... Yeah, and and the reason it worked was because Brett wasn't on top as long. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it didn't feel like Brett was old because he hadn't been shoved in your face for so long. Yeah, I mean he'd always been right. there as the Heart Foundation and him and Jim and all that, you know. But it just wasn't like this is the guy, this is the guy, this is the like you weren't mm-hmm. bored with it, like. Right. It shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have been. These guys are old. It should have been like these guys are boring. They're stale, <laughs> yeah. stale bread. But also, people didn't have. Um, 
necessarily the capabilities of just doing what you just did and getting on the on a device in five seconds, getting getting it instantly. Out, yeah. Oh, this guy's this age, you know. Mm-hmm. You didn't have that, but uh, the next match is um, um, Triple H versus. Is uh, Big Van Vader. Uh, Vader's with Paul Bearer, and China ends up um, um, sorry, I got lost in my note here. Uh, China ends up blocking Vader by taunting him, and while that distracts her, the, um, she's like, I don't want to say it, like, she, like, Vader's getting the upper hand, and China ends up like they're on the floor. China ends up getting in between Triple H and Vader, and Hunter ends up getting back into the ring. Um, um, and while that's going on, um, she's distracted with Vader. Um, that allows mankind to attack Triple H, and then she ends up seeing what's going on, and um, um, she ends up jumping put it in the ring to help Hunter and all three of them just kind of getting like this melee and it goes out through the crowd and the match really doesn't, they don't, they don't have an ending for it. It just, it's just bam, there that happened. Um, I don't like when they don't give a decision. I hate that. Like why not just say, you know, triple H got counted out or disqualificate, like just give a decision. I don't, mm-hmm. I, they do that nowadays. I still don't like it. Um, also, by this point, if anybody hasn't noticed, um, they use him because he's under contract, but Vince has completely given up on Vader at this point. Oh, yeah. He's done with Vader. <laughs> he's, he's just yeah. done with Vader. He's done with Vader. The fans react to him, so that's why they keep him around. And yeah. Um, and then the Commandant, um, he cuts a promo. Um, about the Truth Commission, and then we get a Brockus German promo, and then, um, then we get the Truth Commission in action, and they are, fl- they are facing the um, famous six man team of Flash Funk. Jesse James and Sparkplug Bob. It's like when it's like when like it's like when the WCW would have like the six man tag team champions. It's the Junkyard Dog, Michael Hayes, and Steve Steve or uh, Steve uh, Armstrong. Like just this random yeah. random trip. <laughs> they're tag. They're six man tag team champions. There they are. They don't have belts. Um, yeah, but no anyway, belts. that that yeah that match happened. And then during the match, um, Gorilla Monsoon's on the phone and dates that um, he's got a lot going on as being the president of the WWF. So he hasn't really been able to um, focus on um, all the happenings in the building. So he needs a he needs another another set of eyes, another set of hands or whatever. So he's going to be announcing a. Um, a commissioner to come to uh, come to the WWF. So he's announcing a new commissioner. Um, and unfortunately, that's the case. Is there, 
the re- the reality is his his health is is yeah that's what I was gonna say he's this is when he started getting sick mm-hmm. he couldn't be, he couldn't be on all the time and um he started losing a lot of weight and I'm sure Vince would have kept him on TV but I I have always thought that it's probably Gorilla was probably like I don't yeah I don't want to be on TV looking like this and mm-hmm. all that you know like. Like when he winds up at WrestleMania 15, it's like, good lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sad to see. <laughs> not not making fun, not making fun of him, saying it's no, like, Whew. no, it's a, yeah, it's very jarring to see him, to like see, to see him like so thin and pale yeah. and and if you listen, like Fink, even when he introduces him at WrestleMania 15, he even sounds like he sounds choked up. Mm-hmm. It's just, and I think that was his last appearance, wasn't it? Yeah, he died about six months after that. Yeah. Um, everything I've ever read, though, cool motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Somebody you mess with, like he's connected and interesting, dude. I'm looking forward to the book. Really looking forward to that book. Um, and then Vince McMahon ends up. Um, on TV calls one of the winners of the SummerSlam million dollar ripoff. It's coming up. It's some kid named Ryan and Ryan's Ryan's happy, you know, and Lawler kind of makes fun of him a little bit. And, but Ryan's actually pretty nice. Like he's, he's like, like Vince McMahon, it's great. Cause kids are kids. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but Vince McMahon's like, so, so, like he's like you're, you're gonna get to come to SummerSlam, Ryan. Like, good job, buddy. And, and instead of being like, "Oh yeah, I'm super excited," he's just like, "Thanks, Vince." And then he like hangs up. <laughs> thanks, Vince. And he's, like, and he's like, "Thanks, Vince." And then he hangs up. And Vince's like, well, "We're gonna try to call Ryan back and get more of his information." <laughs> I think I my was, my, fa- my favorite my favorite moment was somebody on the phone. At the first in your house. And I, the name sticks out to me just because it's such a unique name. But Todd Pettengill calls the winner and he's like, is this, is this Mike Pompaselli? And the guy, the guy is, the guy goes, I don't even know. Okay. He goes, is this Mike Pompaselli? And the guy goes, ah, like you made this, ah. <laughs> Like he's like I don't know if the guy was caught off guard or what, but he doesn't. It's not. It's not a worry. He just makes a noise. He's like, ah. it's, it's he's excited, and it's what happens when you cold call people that don't know how to be on television. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're calling wrestling fans, cold calling them on live television. It's ridiculous. But uh. And he's just like, thanks, Vince. And then he hangs up. <laughs> and then we get a video package on the Patriot. And the next match, um, which did you know he lied to WWF? Did you know that? Patriot? Yeah. About, about like an injury? His shoulder, yeah, his shoulder was, he, he was on. Obviously, he's passed away now, but he was on uh, Stone Cold's podcast, and they called him about coming in 
and asked him, you know, like, did the did the typical like interview that Vince that you know Vince always says they always said Vince has with people like getting to know the guy shit like that because Vince doesn't know anything about anybody until they're in front of him you know <laughs> but he said when Jim Ross called him he asked he, he asked um, are you under contract anywhere no sir which wasn't a lie he wasn't this that and the other thing any uh any nagging injuries or anything you need to let us know about? And he's like, Nope. And he said, my shoulder was destroyed. <laughs> like he's and like, that, it was. And that's right. why. Yeah. That's why. Uh, um, I'm going to say that's, that's like, people always wondered why, like after, after the kind of after the Bret Hart storyline ended, he never even came back or anything. And that's why it was pretty much like his shoulder was shit. He was done. You know, he wasn't going to wrestle anymore. Yeah. And they, they just were like, well, we're just going to let you go. And we're going to let Yokozuna go. Cause he's way too fat. And we're going to, they just had this, this, like the attitude era, it started getting popular and they were like, these are people we don't need yeah. <laughs> anymore. Yeah. He's like, I, he's like, I told, he's like, if I would have told that, he said, if I would have told JR what my shoulder condition was, they would have never gave me a contract. And he just wanted, he wanted to be able to have WWF on his resume. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's like, I wasn't gonna pass that up. He's like, I he's and he said he felt bad about lying about it, but he, he lied. Um, but the next match um, is DOA's crush versus the nation of dominations Farouk. <clears throat> Ahmed Johnson's back. Um, Boo. yeah, and then it turns into a big um turns into a big gang fight and uh, yeah uh, <clears throat> and then as the gang fights going on the other gang the Los Bariquas they come out <laughs> and um, um, then they end up powerbomb and crush onto the metal ramp and it's just they, there's I, I always hate I always hate these things. I always hate these segments because ninety percent, ninety percent of the people involved in this. Okay, eighty percent of the people involved in this, all of this, taking out Ahmed and the Harris brothers. I really like all of these people, but I hate this shit. I hate it's so boring. Yeah, and. I agree. And it just, it was, it was factions just to have factions yeah. and like Farouk, bad. awesome. Farouk, awesome. Fucking D'Lo, awesome. Kama, awesome. Uh, Crush, Brian Lee, every one of the Bariquas, all of those guys. I dig them all, but this, I don't watch it. Like when I'm watching, when I'm watching overall, I don't watch this shit. <laughs> I got to write note. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I watch it. Um, so that match is a no contest. Um, the next thing up is um, the Godwins getting their tag team title shot against Steve Austin and Dude Love. Um, so it's a WWF tag team championship match. Um, Owen and Bulldog are at ringside. Uh, they get on headset. Um and continuously through the match, they keep calling dude love, dude loser. Owen says it. He's like, ah, oh, dude loser in there. And for some reason it pops Davy. So Davy just 
just keeps going with it. He's like, oh, dude, loser. Yeah, like a dude, loser right there. Like, they're, they're so Bulldog loved the dude, loser thing. Um, and then during the match, um, uh, Bulldog's talking about Ken Shamrock and how much stronger he is than Ken Shamrock. And, and he's not the world's most dangerous man. So he wants to, uh, he wants to have Ken Shamrock in an arm wrestling contest later on. Um, um, then Austin ends up getting knocked to the floor and Owen clocks him with the intercontinental title, which knocks out Owen or knocks out Austin long enough for him to be counted out. So the Godwins win via count out and then post-match Owen and, uh, Austin end up getting into a fight, uh, and then um, the Godwins, Owen, Bulldog, they all end up ganging up on um, on Dude Loser and Steve Austin until the LOD come out and make the save. So they're continuing you know, the feud between Bulldog. Go ahead. I was just gonna say in 1996 and 1997. You know who the luckiest guy in pro wrestling was. Davy Boy Smith. Why is it was Davy Boy Smith because he got to team with and ride with Owen. <laughs> like, like, what? How how cool was his fucking job for a couple of years? You know, I get I get to hang out with fucking Jolly Roger over here. <laughs> it's gonna make me laugh. We're gonna have fun. The matches are gonna be easy. I don't know. Just yeah. he was the luckiest man in the business in '96 and '97. <laughs> he can drive for me. You know, because mm-hmm. I'm sure after the shows, Davey wasn't doing a lot of driving. Right. <laughs> I, like, I'll, I, I got it, dude. I'll take care. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to be entertained. I'm going to yeah. have I'm going to have a stable partner. I'm going to have a you know, I'm, I can trust this guy. He's funny. I mean, also, he's my brother in law. I mean, just like yeah. he was just like, he's like fucking he was like a hog a hogging shit in that for a couple <laughs> of years there. And from everything I've heard, um, and you can tell, you can tell he's having the time of his life. Oh, like, that's oh. what I was gonna say. Like, <laughs> like everybody I've read talking about those two is um, everybody thought Owen was funny. You know what I mean? And enjoyed him. But everything I heard, nobody thought he was funnier than Davy did. Like, yeah. like that. No, you, like, you can tell. Davy's just like he don't care if he's on TV. He don't care. If- it's kayfabe. <laughs> if it's funny, he's laughing. Maybe having a match and no one can be doing something. And, and you see Davey like with his with his fucking arm over his <laughs> like leaning yeah. on the rope with his arm over his face. <laughs> yeah. Um in Brett's book. Um and Owen got Davy. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, um he said that Davey was like, um, out of, out of all his, out of all his group, you know, like all his boys, like him, Owen, Davey, Jim, you know, all of them. <clears throat> he said, Dave, he said, Davey might have not been the, the, even though he, like, he doesn't say Davey was a bad wrestler, you know, but he said he wasn't the greatest wrestler out of all of us, but he was like the best just athlete. Yeah. You know, like he's mm-hmm. like, Davey could do anything he wanted him to do. <clears throat> and when he got there, um, he was 
like they were playing softball and he couldn't figure out softball. Like he, he couldn't figure out how to hit, you know, like he could catch and do all that, but he couldn't figure out how to hit. And he's getting pissed at himself because he couldn't figure it out. And Owen was like, Davey, he goes, yeah, he goes, have you been using a left-handed bat this whole time? He's like, what? He's been using a left-handed bat the whole time. You got to use this right-handed bat. He's like, oh, okay. I gotcha. And after he told Davey that, like, he said Davey was just cracking him out of the fucking park. Into like the rest of the time, and like, like the first time he cracked it out, he cracked it out over the fucking fence. Started making the run, like making the bases run, and fucking looked at everybody as he was running by the dugout. He's like, "It was the fucking bat the whole time. It was the fucking bat." <laughs> he just, Owen just like knew. Ah, just tell him it's a left-handed bat. It'll be all right. Davy's a little simple, but we can make this work. <laughs> make it work <laughs> um so yeah um and those two were super entertaining together in my opinion um then ken shamrock ends up saying that he is going to um accept the arm wrestling competition um and then we get a light weight match um it's ace darling versus devin storm um, uh, Devin Storm ends up winning that match. It was just a match. Um, nothing bad, nothing good. Just was what it was. Is this, um, is this, this isn't even the, this isn't even the tournament yet, is it? Oh no, the tournament's not till, um, October. Yeah, I didn't think so, like, but I, I was, I was like, I was like, I couldn't remember. Because I know I think they bring them in for the tournament, too. Yeah, they're still waiting for Reg Parks to send the belt. Um, so then we get one more uh, million-dollar SummerSlam ripoff call. Um, and then they, as that's going on, they have Sunny come out, and she's just kind of like, there so the crowd's not getting bored during the call like they have her come in and sit in on the phone call that way the fans are like hey sonny's here kind of like a nitro girl type idea um and i didn't catch this guy's name but he's some shit kicker from lafayette indiana so he's one um he winds up being the little bald guy that shows up like when they show up at his house or whatever he's smoking a cigarette and he's got a big woman with him yeah. and all that shit. but anyway <laughs> And at SummerSlam, they have a sign that, like, says, like, um, I think it says, like, thanks, Vince, for the WWF tickets. But they have to, like, blurt out. They have to, like, um, censor the WWF thing because of the legal shit with, like, um, Wildlife Fund. I just remember that on on the network, it's like, it says, thanks, Vince, for the fucking tickets. But anyway... (laughs) Um, the arm wrestling contest contest is next between the bulldog and shamrock. Um, but arm wrestling contest is kind of like cake, like 
in wrestling. Like if you see cake in wrestling, guess what's going to happen with the cake? It's going to be on what somebody's cake face. Every time. It's going to be on somebody's face. It's either going to be on the on the hot chick or it's going to be on the heel manager. And then what happens in every single arm wrestling competition in wrestling? Somebody winds up getting their face on the table. <laughs> or head butted or something and it's usually the heel i think i think that can i think you can correct me if i'm wrong but i think that can be credited to jesse ventura i think he started that probably either jesse ventura or yeah, um, he's about to lose campatera uh tony atlas but i can't now i'm yeah, thinking and i know he, I'm in the weeds. I don't know. I don't know if it was him. I don't know if it was Jesse that started it or Paul Hillary that started it, but one of them started it. I think it was Jess. But yeah, every time the heel's about to lose, either slams the guy's head into the table or headbutts him or something. And um, in this instance, uh, Davey ends up headbutting um, Shamrock when he's about to win and um, bashes um, Shamrock with a chair. And then um, smashes dog food all over him. Because if you remember their match at SummerSlam, um, Bulldog says if he doesn't win, he's going to eat dog food in the middle of the ring. So that's what happens with that. And then Kent Shamrock's obviously pissed after he's got all the dog food all over him. And he kind of snaps and goes a little cray-cray. And the fans love it. Um, he's so out of back. my way. out of my fucking way. <laughs> Um, I know you're not the biggest fan of him, but I like me some Ken Shamrock. It's kind of like it's not the same thing because he was he was in ring, he was more talented than him. But it's kind of like Sid, where it kind of works that he doesn't. He's not always the most coherent guy in the world, you know, verbally. Yeah, it works. Um, and then the next match we get. Is um, um, Gold Dust with Marlena versus Rockabilly with the Honky Tonk Man? Um, Rockabilly at ringside is there. There's some boxer, Michael Moore. He's at ringside. Um, I thought Michael Moore was the guy that made all their videos and showing documentaries and shit. Michael Moore is a footnote in boxing. The only thing, the only thing he ever did of note was, um, I think he was the one that. Uh, I think I think he did like he was the one that took on George Foreman in George Foreman's comeback match. But he was pretty. He was pretty much a nobody. He was there to to let George Foreman knock him out. I think. <laughs> um. I thought he was the. I thought Michael Moore was the fat guy that made Fahrenheit 9/11. He was. <laughs> that was Michael. Yes. Moore too. A, yes. Okay. That is. So also, that is also. That is also his name. Yes. Okay. Looks like a big lady. Yeah. And they're like Michael Moore is at ringside. I'm like the fat guy from Fahrenheit 9/11. <laughs> also, another side note. Is there? Is there like, at, at, let's say in the 90s in the WWF. Like, 
the rockabilly entrance theme is the worst entrance theme ever. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, rockabilly, oh no, no, rockabilly, sing my song to me. Like, Night. they were like, Jim Johnston was like, yeah, this is here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Got Big Al to sing this song. Um, I also think it's funny that um, Big Al did that um, rendition of Sex Boy, the Shawn Michaels theme. Mm-hmm. And for like the longest time, there was like people that thought it was Vince. You know that? <laughs> yes. People thought it was Vince singing the song. It wasn't. It was Big Al. But anyway, uh, it would yeah. I'm not sexy. Okay. Um, like I said, Rockabilly ends up smacking Michael Moore, and then Michael Moore ends up um, hitting Rockabilly, and then um, Brian Pillman um, ends up getting involved as well, attacking Gold Dust, and Marlena jumps on his back, and Gold and, and Pillman doesn't like whip her to the mat or anything. He just kind of knocks her off of him and, and he gets away. Um, and that match is just tossed out. There's no decision in that match. So that's how that happened. Um, they had Billy doing, that was like Billy's stick. Like Rockabilly did nothing, but if there was like a new guy that like a Ken Shamrock, you know, that might not be the best yet, but we need him to like do something. Mm-hmm. Send Billy out there, you know. Billy, Billy will make it work because <laughs> Billy's a talent, you know. Yeah. And then anytime there was like anytime there was some kind of local, I shouldn't even say local because apparently Michael Moore was a big deal. But anytime there was any kind of like athlete or something that that a guy was gonna have to bump for, it was it was Billy. It's like Rockabilly getting knocked by this guy isn't gonna hurt nobody because we ain't doing anything with him anyway, and Billy's gonna. <laughs> like a champ so let's just use billy um like i said that match had no no finish um um then we get a video of um of like an undertaker hype video with other wrestlers just describing their retaker and his ability um Then we get um, something that I watch it now, and I'm just like, I hate when this guy interviews this guy. It's Vince McMahon interviewing not heel Shawn Michaels. Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon filleting Shawn Michaels in the middle of the yeah. I wrote, I wrote a note that I'm not even going to say, but it's just like. This is just bad. It, like, it's Vince like fake laughing at the things that Sean's saying, and Sean being like cute with Vince, and Vince being cute with him. It's just like, God damn it, I hate this. Um, and then he asks if HBK will apologize to Brett and Canada. HBK says um, he never has and never will say he's. Uh, um, Basically says he's never going to apologize for anything to eat. I'm Shawn Michaels. I don't apologize for anything I I do or say. I am what I am, you know. And then says he's going to sit in Vince's chair 
there um, for the Bret Hart Patriot match. Um, then Bret Hart demand, comes out and he demands um, to hear the Canadian national anthem. And then in our main event, it's the Patriot versus Bret Hart. Um, after the Oh Canada request, the Patriot requests um, um, for the Star Spangled Banner to play. And as that's happening, um, Bret Hart, as, as Patriots watching the Star Spangled Banner and the flag up on the Titan Tron, um, um, Bret ends up attacking the Patriot from behind. So the dastardly one of, one of one of the greatest heel moves in the history of professional wrestling. Like I love the vision. I love the visual of of the Patriot standing there like with his hand on his heart looking at the flag and Brett with that shit eating grin and then going and kicking him in the fucking back of the knee or whatever. It's just, it's just, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> like what, also, a, what a fucking bastard. <laughs> it also shows um, the difference from wrestling then and wrestling now, because um, do you remember like that six month period where um, Dave Finley didn't work for the WWF or the WWE, I should say. Mm-hmm. Like when he was a when he was a when they fired him as an agent. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember why he got fired? Or do you know why he got fired? Mm. If you don't, it's fine. I don't. I don't remember now. I bet I did then. I bet when you say it, I'm gonna go. Yep, I remember. This wasn't even on TV. It was at a house show, and Finley was like, you know, the house show coordinator. The order of the matches. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. You know, and they had like um, members of the military there, and they were gonna play the national anthem. And he had the Miz go out in the middle of the national anthem and interrupt it and like cut a heel promo. Like he didn't cut a promo on the army. He just interrupted mm-hmm. the national anthem and cut a promo. And it was Finley's call to do that. Cause he's like, Oh, this will get you good heat. You know, It'd be great. Mm-hmm. The fans will eat it. They'll boo you out of the building if you interrupt it. And they fired him for it. And that, that shows you also, the difference in um, in political stroke of certain people, because you remember when JBL goose stepped <laughs> in the ring in Germany, <laughs> he didn't get fired. They took him off TV for like two weeks or whatever, and he got reprimanded. But that just shows you that that JBL had a little more stroke than Finley did. Yeah, like everything I heard, they told him you'll be back. Like don't don't. Yeah. Don't like sign anywhere else or anything. You'll be back, but we gotta, we gotta send you away for like a year, half a year. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, wasn't even fucking TV. It was a house show. But anyway, um, um, there's a ref bump, and Hart gets a pile driver on the Patriot. Um, and then HBA, HBA, HBK ends up um, stopping account by Hart. Um, this dis- um, distracts Bret Hart, Patriot. Like, um, Bret gets like a pinfall or attempts to pinfall on uh, 
HBK or on Patriot, HBK breaks it up. The ref didn't see what caused the breakup because he was concentrating on the shoulders, you know. And this distracts Hart, who yells at um, Sean at ringside. Sean's on the floor. Brett's in the ring, obviously. Yells at um, Sean on the ring, and Patriot ends up running up behind Brett, knocking him up against the ropes, gives him a roll-up, one, two, three. And um, Patriot gets a victory over Brett Hart. We talk about how big of a victory that was. And... Um, Post-match, HBK is provoking Bret Hart. Bret Hart's um, about to go after HBK, but The Undertaker comes out, which obviously grabs the attention of everybody, and as The Undertaker's making his way to the ring, the show goes off the air. And that's how we end That's how we end Raw. A big upset victory by The Patriot, Sean and Bret with their stanky heat going on, and The Undertaker coming out to... do whatever he's going to do, but that is, like I said, because we go off the air. So I thought Raw, hands down, was much better than WCW now. Hand down, much better. And this is also the beginning of, as you tell, as you tell, because you describe a show, you know, you got the thing going on with Brett and The Undertaker, but you got the thing going on with Sean and Brett, and you got the thing going on with Brett and Patriot, and you got, you know, Austin's in the mix, and Owen's in the mix. And this is the beginning of the era or the beginning of the premise as as was adopted for many years after that probably until roman where and i think it was just because vince you know gun shy because people so many people had left the company or whatever i'm getting to a point this was the beginning of the time where you are booking you're not just booking one top guy or two top guys. You're put. You're you're trying to book five or six top guys. Yeah, you, know, you don't know who's going to be here tomorrow. Yeah, and and then and then it just kind of rolls into the Attitude Era. So you've got instead of just Austin and The Rock, you've got Austin, Rock, Mankind, Triple H, Undertaker, Kane. You know, like anybody can be the champion. Anybody can be the top guy out of these guys. And yeah. you know, like the the grade eight or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like um, a lot of times they say, a lot of times they say, with a take what Russo says with a grain of salt or whatever, but I believe him when he says that um, him and Ferrara would go to Vince's house, like to talk about Raw or whatever. And Vince would just be like, want to know what's going on with these eight guys. Yep. That's all I care about. And, and and the reason the re, the other reason you can believe that that uh, Russo you can believe Russo in that one is that is that is one of the few things that when you hear Russo and Cornette talk they both say the same thing Cornette says the same thing we just want to know what's I, Vince just wanted to know what was going on with Steve Austin the Undertaker the Rock um, Foley and Foley yeah and Triple H yeah. Trust your judgment on the rest of it. Shit. Yeah. Book, 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 and draws however the hell you want. I don't care. Yeah, okay. Doesn't matter to me, pal. <laughs> Just tell me about the eight guys. But like I said, that's uh, that's the Rollins. That's the Rollins Nitro from July twenty eighth, and that, unless you have anything else, will be the end of the show. Nope, I got nothing else. 
opening and closing I'm terrible at. But anyway, um, so that being said, thank you guys for listening. Nate, thank you for being my co-host today. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll be uh, moving into August next week. Rolling into SummerSlam 97. I believe that's our next big pay-per-view. So we'll be discussing that in a little bit. And then so, when it comes to WCW on the next show, I will be very angry. So stay tuned for that. Yes. So the up, like I said, the upcoming shows we're going going into a road wild for WCW. Never made any money, and SummerSlam '97 actually a pretty good show. So thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week. And a special shout out to you, Matt Pompasello. Yes, congratulations on the